Hi guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I wanna take a minute to talk to you about The Groove, an independent record store in East Nashville. The owners of The Groove recently announced that they may have to shut down forever. But there is hope because they have an opportunity to purchase the property that the shop is on, which would be awesome. It would make them truly independent. In order to make that happen, they need your help. So you can go to GoFundMe.com and search The Groove Nashville. There you will find a page where you can donate to help keep this independent record store alive. You can also go to thegroovenashville.com and order vinyl. All orders over $50 get free shipping here in the U.S., which is a pretty good deal because, you know, shipping adds up nowadays. Hey, I've been in this shop a handful of times, and all I know is that the owners are very sweet people. I've had some great experiences. Even went to the Halloween party that they did recently, and it was a blast. So let's keep this store open. Let's keep them around. Let's keep these small shops thriving. Let's buck up against the man. The Groove. TheGrooveNashville.com. Go check it out. All right, you ready to do the show? Let's do the show. podcast nerds. Welcome to the show. My name is Clark Wayne. I'm your host. And this episode goes to 11. <laughs> this is episode 11 of Clockwork Nights. My guests today are Zach and Allie of Gorilla Biscuits, a vegan biscuit shop here in Nashville, Tennessee. Woo! I'm super stoked for you guys to get to know them. They're amazing people and they have an amazing product, vegan biscuits. And Damn it. Now I'm just thinking about biscuits. Like, not even thinking about how amazing the interview was and how cool it was to get to know two strangers, to me at least, but they're biscuits. They're so crispy and fluffy and warm. Like the other day we got some, brought them home, put them in the oven, baked them ourselves, which you can do that. You can take biscuits to go. Damn, they were so good. Like they were so good. I'm not even, like... They're so good that you don't even think about the labels or the things that went into them or didn't go into them. They're just good. Just amazing. Anyways, going to be singing their praises for a minute. Of course, we'll get to know Zach and Allie who make the biscuits. More on that to come here in a few. How are you doing? How was the last week? Of course, last week was Thanksgiving. And man, what do you know? I'm recording this on November 30th. When this releases, it will be December, full on holiday season, you guys, because I don't say y'all. Yeah, so how was how was Thanksgiving? How was it sitting in the room with the fam or the friends and that person you haven't seen in a minute? Did you just sit there okay? Was it all right? Did you need to walk out of the room? Did you practice some box breathing? Man, I'll tell you what, over the last couple of days, I've been practicing 
box breathing and it's been going great, you know? Thanksgiving was good. That was great. You know, we played uh, the family and I played Code Names, which was a new board game to me, and Balderdash, and then some other card game where just ask lots of questions to get to know each other. That was fun. And then, of course, had to let mom spoil me by cooking for me for a few days straight. Like, some, sometimes you just got to do it, man. This time, it was like, you know what? Gonna let mom spoil me just a little bit. And it was good. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good time getting to go home, see familiar faces, and hang out out. Um, I did want to mention this time around, it's it's been on my mind the last few days, and, and I'm sorry if I've neglected anyone um, or left anyone feeling like, man, he's, he's really stoked about the holidays, and that doesn't speak for all of us. And, and I recognize that some people this time of year, it's it's a bummer. It sucks. Maybe some of you don't have homes that you can enter back into Maybe there's someone who is not at the dinner table this year. And they, I I don't know. I just wanted to make sure that I took a second to acknowledge that because I, I know a few of my friends who have experienced that in the past or may be experiencing that for the first time this year. And that's rough. And, and this may be a season where you say, fuck the holidays. And you know what? Fuck the holidays. If that helps, fuck it, man. Like, turn off the Christmas music. You do you. We'll get through it together. You can always reach out to me. You know where to find me. If you know me, you definitely know where to find me. And I, I just want to let you know that I'm so sorry for your loss. If um, you are someone who is experiencing a loss or maybe this time of year triggers a loss that you've had um, years ago or recently, I'm, I'm very sorry. I've been there. I know how that feels, and it definitely is the worst. And I just, I don't know, just wanted to make sure that I was touching base and, and keeping in check with reality and what people go through. And if anything, I just hope that you have people in your life that you can surround yourself with and be honest with or, or talk to, set things aside with, you know. I just want you to give yourself permission to lean into those people, whether it be now or after uh, the holidays, whenever you are ready, please take that step. I've had to do that a handful of times. I'm so grateful that I've had people in my life who have allowed me to just be me in seasons of loss. Those people have been not only a foundation for me to stand on, but they've kind of been the whole environment, the world um, that helped me get back on my feet. And I, I hope that you have those people too. It can be a minute before we feel like we can stand on our own two feet and continue on into the future without the person that we're missing. But you take your time. I, I'm not going to try and give you some kind of pep talk speech thing that says like, you'll get through it, just get over it. Because man, that person that you lost, they were real. And those memories that you have in your heart, those conversations that you remember, those are real as well. And it, it can be rough, but it, it doesn't have to be rough and alone. And I hope you know that. Listen, I hope you didn't skip through the intro, but I just want to give another shout out to The Groove over in East Nashville. Please go check out their GoFundMe. 
go check out. Uh, Gorilla Biscuits is even giving, I think, a percentage of their record sales through the end of the year uh, to the groove. They are in need of purchasing their place in order to continue being a record shop for everyone to come and enjoy. So go check it out, thegroovenashville.com or GoFundMe, search The Groove Nashville. So my guests today started their own business in the middle of the pandemic. It's not often that you hear these types of stories, but it is very encouraging to hear about how they were able to take a time in their life that was very heavy and hard and turn it into something good and make some badass food for everyone to eat. I know, I'm just talking it up, man. It's the real deal, I'm telling you. Before I forget, uh, we do mention a band that opened for one of the shows that we all went to this year, and that band is called Aginali, and I'm so sorry to that band if I'm butchering that name. It is spelled O-G-I-N-A-L-I-I. They are a local rock band here in Nashville, Tennessee. They're awesome. They were great at the show, and again, I believe it's pronounced Aginali. They're wonderful. So yeah, just wanted to make sure that I was uh, stating that as well as there was another opening band uh, like called Vane. I don't know, we get into all kinds of fun stuff and what it's like to run a business and to start it from the ground up. So anybody who's considering being an entrepreneur or just, I don't know, thinking about maybe starting up something with some friends, like this is the episode to listen to. These guys have done it themselves. They know what to expect if you're going to go in that direction they could possibly help with a thing or two. So hit them up. They're great. They were wonderful to talk to. I think that you will pick up on how wonderful they are in this conversation. Without further ado, here are my two new friends, Zach and Allie of Gorilla Biscuits. Well, uh, welcome to my house. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for burning the good smelling candle. You're welcome. <laughs> Shout out to Aldi's. Yeah. Um, Aldi's nuts. Uh, <laughs> someone made a meme out of that. Uh, we've never hung out before. This like We've hung out transactionally a couple times the most, so I'm very stoked to get to know you guys, hear your story, whatever you want to share about Gorilla Biscuits, punk rock, all the above. Yeah, awesome. We're super stoked to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So how did Gorilla Biscuits become a thing? Well, um, the tornado happened, and then Allie was out of work. Um, and then I got laid off because of COVID a week later. Hmm. Um, and we had a lot of free time, which was nice. And Allie made some really good biscuits for dinner one night. And me being me, a uh, retired designer, I made a funny design of like a crowd surfing biscuit. <laughs> and then we like made some more biscuits and our, gave them to our friends and our friends wouldn't stop asking for them. So we like kind of made a joke Instagram for it and a name because um, my Instagram name had been Gorilla Biscuit for like eight years at this point yeah so we just sort of like added an s to it and then 
that sort of snowballed into us making like large batches, large being like 30 biscuits, so large at the time. And then we would like post a graphic on our Instagram and be like, hey, like DM us if you want biscuits. And then they would sell out in like five minutes. Oh, wow. Deliver them to people's doors. Yeah. Um, And then we like made a website and, you know, this, that, and the third. And then 30 biscuits turned into 100 biscuits. And then, you know, we were just delivering biscuits to people's doors and it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. A CBD company hit us up and they were like, you want to use our kitchen? We were like, cool, we could use a kitchen. Yeah. Let's take it to the next step. Okay. They had like a restaurant that got shut down because of COVID. So it was just sort of sitting there. And this is like in the middle of yeah. COVID pandemic twenty twenty. Yeah, that was last summer when we were in the that kitchen, that particular one. Okay. So like months into us being a business. Yeah. Very not planned. It just like happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Zach has designed for a clothing company Pleasures um a few times and a guy who worked at the C B D company liked one of his designs on their Instagram and somehow found Zach's account on Instagram, then found our account on Instagram. And he's like, oh, I work at this CBD company. We have that kitchen that Zach mentioned. Mm -hmm. And he just like offered for us to come and use it. It was crazy, but it all happened because he literally liked his design on some other page. Like it was a really weird connection. Especially because we both live in Nashville, like yeah. the clothing companies out in LA. So it was just like a super weird connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were telling me you, so you're from the Philly area. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Zach, you're from t- close to Toledo ish area. Yeah. I'm from a very small town, a village actually, um, oh, <laughs> outside cool. of Toledo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, Ohio's do you have wild. a tavern? Yeah, we have, so we have, what, four bars, seven churches, one dollar general, and a subway, one stoplight. Yeah. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> um, I'm from the Midwest, too. So I'm from southern Indiana, just two hours same. north of here. So I know what it's like to get out of the south, and then everything just flattens, and it's yep. cornfields and rolling hills. And- my, my closest neighbor growing up <clears throat> was like two miles away, and I had was surrounded by three lima bean fields and one cornfield. And the cornfield was actually owned by uh, Orville Redenbacher. He used it for his popcorn. <laughs> no So it was way. a popcorn field. <laughs> yeah, and we would go out there and just like rob, rob old or- Orville. <laughs> Orville. <laughs> steal some corn right off the, cu- the, the stalk. And um, we would like put it in like a paper sack and like microwave it. And it would like kind of pop it was so fucking weird (laughs) but yeah it was it was cool we used to i don't know it was it taught me a lot i learned a lot about gardening that way and like yeah yeah a lot about just like farming culture and like a lot of my friends um dads had farms and like generational farms and like you know I grew up like helping out on dairy farms, which is like fairly ironic for okay. the vegan business owner. Um, right. But it was just, that was life. But probably influential to some extent. 100%. About yeah. some life decisions. Yeah. It's later fucking on. weird, like naming cows and like sticking your hand like elbow deep into to a cow and pulling out a baby cow. Yeah. And, and like 
<laughs> eating it. Like it's, I don't, we did it, but I don't understand. It definitely like is a reason I'm vegan for sure. Yeah. Um, Cause I like helped birth cows okay. and like fed them and like named them and brushed them and like. Were they in this particular farm? Were they separated quickly or did, did they get to like. So this wasn't a dairy farm that I'm out. specifically talking about. Okay. Um, it was like more of a livestock. So yeah. Um, county fairs were really big where I grew up. Like the school year didn't start until county fair was over because half the students showed animals. Um, so you would literally like raise this calf, get it like looking nice and then go show it at the county fair. And if your cow was good, you would sell that cow to a literal butcher and the butcher would then take it. And there's a purpose with like the showing of the cow at a county fair. Like there's a transaction piece to it. It's like, this is the best in show. Your cow is the prettiest. Like let's chop it up. I never knew that. Yeah. I thought it was literally just like, you did good, like, you know, it's, conditioning the hair of the cow. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, a lot of those kids, like, I just grew up when my friends, like, their dads had farms, so I didn't benefit from it. I just was there. But a lot of these kids, they would they would do it from such a young age all the way through high school. And, like, when you show and sell a cow, you know, that's a pretty large transaction. Like, you're getting, like, $1,500, $2,000 for that cow, wow. that steer. And, like, a lot of these kids were, like, you know, 18, sure. saving up this money, like, buying a house, getting cars. Like, it, there was a lot that it was, like, uh, what's the word? It was appetizing to kids sure. to be, like, wow, that's a cool way to just, like, get money. Like, I'll put on a bolo tie and go, like, walk a cow around a pasture, you know? Yeah. So it's really strange. I never thought much of it growing up, but it was just part of part of that culture, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, my father grew up on a, I guess, a kind of a, I don't know if it was a dairy-specific farm, but there was definitely cows. Like, he grew up on a cow farm. Our town specifically didn't have a lot of dairy. It was more livestock. Okay. So, I guess it would have been a livestock farm. And then, I guess he also helped grow tobacco in eastern Kentucky. So, (laughs) I think I could be completely mistaken, but I think dairy cows are more expensive than livestock cows. Um, And that probably explains why there was less dairy cows in my specific town. Okay. Just because of how poor it was. Okay. Um, but I honestly have no idea. That's just what I thought. I've seen you post on Instagram like country boys do it best. Yeah. And, and I'm like, where is he from? And yeah. she was like, he's from like northern Ohio. And I'm like trying to picture like, you know, the we landscape had, in the area. I've had like very few friends from that specific part of the Ohio state. It's so flat. It's so <laughs> strange. I mean, is we it, literally had kids driving tractors to school. And like parking the tractors at the school, and it was like totally legal and like so weird. How many? How many like kids were in your graduating class? I think like sixty nine or so. You know everyone, and they know you. <laughs> like everyone, it's so weird. And so that versus Philly, what's what's your Philly experience like I've never been far to Philly. from that <laughs> so I'm from like an hour outside of the city um in a town called Will Grove it's like just northwest kind of of the city 
so the only like animals I guess I was around, my grandma rescued horses. So, I mean, I grew up like around her horses. She had last, she sold her farm because she's gotten too old. Um, Mm. But she, when I grew up, she had like two horses, two donkeys, like a mini horse, a million cats, and she rescued Shelties too. So she had like literally eight Shelties at like all times. What's a Sheltie? <laughs> um, the like... Classy dog, right? Yeah, like the oh. really long-haired, like... Yeah. It kind of looks like an Australian Shepherd, but yeah. different colors, I guess. Okay. It's They're so cute. They yeah. were, I mean, they were all rescued. Yeah, so they were... They're really, really timid because they were all rescued, so they were always insane. But that was, like, the most I was ever around animals. Like, when I went to Zach's town for the first time, I was really shocked. Um, no, I, <laughs> I love I love his town. I love his family and all of that. I just had never been to um, a town that small because it's just not, like, around me at all. Yeah. Even, like, out in the country around Philly, they're still relatively big towns because you're still outside of a city at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but I really like, like, I don't know, everyone in your town knows each other and cares about each other. And it's super awesome and also very opposite of <laughs> what I grew up in. For sure. Like my town, I don't even know how many, what the population of the town is. Um so did you grow up in like a suburb? Yeah, about an hour north. Okay. Um, so outside of the city, like a pretty big suburb. Like I don't know. Like, it's still a suburb, but like you could have easily walked to the train and just like gone into the city. Like it's not like yeah, mm. you still had full access and like the ability to go into Philly and like if you wanted to, just like hop on up to New York or whatever. Cool. Or like, yeah, Atlantic City was closed, Baltimore's closed, New York's closed. Like, oh my gosh, everything's right there. It's super. Like awesome. all the things I've never seen <laughs> are that close. Yes, like, I was super duper lucky. Um, especially to just my parents. Um, had a house down the shore, so we were lucky to go down to the shore a lot and go to Atlantic City a lot, and of course go to Philly. Like actually into town a lot it was a good location and a good opportunity to just see a lot at a pretty young age mm-hmm. um, which i'm pretty grateful for my town had well it's probably still there i know a lot of malls are shutting down due to covid but yeah i taught my town had a mall so it was like a pretty like popular place for people to get off the train like zach said and go into the mall and stuff so we got to like I don't know, meet up with a bunch of t- friends who live in different towns and whatever at the mall. So our, I feel like our town was like happening a little bit yeah. <laughs> like back then. Yeah, I grew up in a town where like a lot of country people, like it was the only mall within like an hour and a mm-hmm. half radius. So like you'd see a lot of Carhartt at the mall, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, but like, like I said, I grew up with a father who grew up on the farm. So like, I didn't really think anything of it till I moved or like visited other places or moved mm-hmm. away and whatnot so yeah. i mean the mall had like a huge role in your life too <laughs> zach was a mall rat like oh yeah i mean he's a few years older than me so he's like the myspace mall rat generation okay I feel like and i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i i'm i'll be t- fully transparent i'm mid 30 so i would have graduated high school originally before my super senior year in 2004 so I was seven. Oh, seven? 
No, cool. I, I was seven. You were seven. Oh, yes. you were you were seven years old. Yes. Awesome. So, Great. Yeah. yeah. In good company here. Yeah. Good deal. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like the mall for me was like even pre hot topic, there is a place that we would go to called Gadzooks was like skater culture and kind of bad. Oh yeah. Mad, <laughs> mad TV humor, I guess, you know, yeah, I haven't heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, did you have a Sam Goody? Absolutely. Yeah. Sam we Goody. didn't have a Sam Goody in the mall, but there was this town by us called Fremont and they had this like shopping center called uh, Potter village and they had a Sam Goody and that was, that was my spot. Yeah. I always made my parents take me there and get CDs. One time my dad got me, what the hell was it? It's like Slim Shady LP, I think. <laughs> but he accidentally bought the edited one. And I remember having a temper tantrum oh, and making yeah. him drive the 30 minutes back to Sam Goody. Oh, man. To return it to get me the unedited one. Okay. So shout out to him. <laughs> he um, did it. <laughs> yeah. He uh, He's awesome. He gave me my first CD, which was Licensed to Ill by Beastie Boys. So that explains a lot. That's amazing. Um, yeah. What does it explain? I think it explains just most of my interests and the way I am. I think it, <laughs> that record and that band sort of encompasses a lot of who I am. Okay. Just like when I think Beastie Boys and their style, like there's so much humor behind it. Totally. Like there's always a story. Like for example, um, this is maybe a terrible reference song nowadays, but like the, the song girls and just like, just that, like, Yep. That's on like, that record, the okay. license sale. Yeah, yep. yeah. And just thinking about how like there's always kind of a funny element or even like uh, fight for your right to party. Like there's just like a whole story and every verse is a story. You know where that humor comes from, in my opinion, is they started as a hardcore punk band. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that they just didn't take themselves seriously. And then they're just like, fuck it, let's, let's rap. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think that just like there's not, there wasn't a lot of that punk mentality crossing over into that world mm -hmm. yet. Um, and that's sort of why they stood out and that humor was present. Yeah. Cause it was just like them being them without the like theatrics of being these hard dudes, you know, they're right. three white Jewish dudes from New York. <laughs> like they're not hard. No, no. <laughs> the, um, their performance of Sabotage on Letterman, you can watch it on YouTube, and it's just like, they're wearing polo shirts. <laughs> yep. And that is one of, like, the hardest songs, like, right. ever. And I think, like, they killed it, but, like, to to your point, like, you look at them, and you're just kind of like, oh, I hung out with that guy in school. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not the guy who was threatening to beat me up or whatever. Like, he was, like, the the friend. They They really, like... You know, my dad, listened, I mean, he gave me that CD, but, you know, that era, he graduated in, like, what, 84? So he was, like, really into Zeppelin and, like, yeah. all that shit. And, like, I, I can't remember the song, but there's a song on License to Ill, and, like, they straight up sample the drums from a Led Zeppelin song. Mm. So, like, I knew that Zeppelin song from the radio and from my dad, and when I heard that for the first time, it literally blew my mind. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, how, why did they, I didn't understand sampling. I had never yeah. heard of that. I had no context to it. So, like, it, it 
just like seriously was a huge catalyst for me to make that connection mm-hmm. and being like, I when I when I got that record and first got into the Beastie Boys, I had no idea they were a punk band before. So I don't know. It was just really. I feel like that was a turning point for me, just like figuring out what sampling was and like figuring out like how you can appreciate a lot of different things and turning in something new. Hmm. Um, that's really funny because that's still what you like get excited about anytime you hear a new song. It's literally the first thing you like find some sample and literally like a random new Drake song or whatever. And he immediately knows what it is and gets super fucking excited that they sampled something else that he's really into. Yeah. Well, it's because you listen to like a lot of like older soul and R&B music and, you know, old country and a song will come on. I'm like, dang, that's a Cypress Hill song or dang, that's Raekwon or like, and you're like, what? No, (laughs) no. What was you played Dolly Parton the other day? I'm like, oh, this is Ghetto Superstar. And you're like, what? (laughs) I'm just like, I have such a different relationship to all these songs and like, it's cool to track it back to the history and it's like, wow, these rappers listen to soul music or country music or, you know, it sucks that producing, I mean, now they're getting a lot of credit, but, you know, when hip hop first started, no one really understood the art of actually making these beats and truly making that timeline mm-hmm. of it's a, it's an art form and it's so so sick like i wish it was more appreciated than it was but it's definitely getting its time right now and like new songs always like they try to like shout out the producers and like you can track down yeah. the credits on spotify and like that's really cool and like websites like who sampled it's like Mm-hmm. You can just type in a song and see what songs they sampled, what songs sampled that song. Yeah. It's a sick resource. Yeah. It sends you down a rabbit hole and you just learn so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I've also enjoyed seeing maybe some older rock stars or personalities who have like lightened up about the issue as well and now see it as a compliment of like, you know, I think Trent Reznor was interviewed about how Miley performed Hurt. Was it in the, uh, the fucking Netflix show? Um, so one where like an episode's different every single time. Was it that show that they did it in? Uh, I don't think I know that one. It's the Black Mirror. Oh yeah, yeah. She did one in the last episode. You said yeah. she was in it. She was like tied to a bed or no? I know what you're talking about. Though. Yeah, I guess I guess what, the tr- the hurt song was sampled yeah. or covered or something. And Trent Reznor was just like, this is great, you know? And then his response to Johnny Cash doing Hurt as well was like, there's an interview of him just being like, you know, anytime someone wants to take your song that you wrote about a very personal time in your life, like you kind of want to hold on to it. He's like, but then of course we got the the video to our office or studio or whatever. And we all sat down and watched it. And he's like, by the end of it, we were all in tears. (laughs) So yeah, I, I feel like, Maybe, you know, because of the the stealing or not getting recognition, people were trying to hold on to that, you know? And then you hear about in the music industry, like even Taylor Swift's talking about, you know, getting the rights to her masters or the rights to copyrights to her music and stuff and just redoing stuff. So just something I never really thought of before moving to Nashville, maybe. 
as much. <laughs> Same. Did, I was literally just explaining the Taylor Swift stuff to Zach because he's not. I guess you're not a T really, Swift fan. Yeah, he doesn't really. Pay <laughs> not much of a Swifty, but nothing wrong with it. <laughs> he's a forced Swifty, I guess. <laughs> I think she's my like guilty pleasure, which is interesting. But no, I love Taylor Swift. Makes sense. You were seven when I was graduating <laughs> yeah. high school. It adds up. <laughs> Well, you mentioned you're into R&B. Like, what kind of music do you enjoy? I was listening to, to Nat King Cole when you walked I know. in. I, I, I looked like at that pretty much as soon as we walked in. It's a beautiful cover. I, like Zach said, I really like the, like, much older stuff. Old, old country, like Patsy Cline. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just really random stuff. I'll do classical a lot as okay. well. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, 90s hip-hop modern day hip-hop just rap um i'm funny enough like kind of i've been into punk for a really long time but mm -hmm. i've never kind of crossed over into hardcore which is very ironic for girl this gets us uh -huh, like, uh -huh, yeah. um but it's okay yeah no i'm getting into it now i mean we listen to it like 30 hours a week when we're in the shop so and that's <laughs> i how i like get my music i just listen to it yeah. a lot that's how i i don't know look, find new music um but it's a new adventure <laughs> like, yeah especially i mean with meeting zach he's who got me into like 90s hip-hop got me into present day hip-hop and then is slowly transitioning me i guess to hardcore <laughs> i mean you went to your first hardcore show which was a show that um <laughs> a lot of people would kill to go to. Um, I'd say, um, what was it, 2018, we saw the Gorilla Biscuits. Oh, wow. Um, on a yacht that <laughs> departed from, like, right outside, like, the financial district, kind of. It was a, it was a yacht. It was like a cruise boat yacht. I mean, a yacht is, like, by definition. Where was this? In New York? It was York? in New York City. So, yeah. picture this. Really fucking weird, dark, like, dock. And you're just like, it's like freezing. It was Dece December, under a bridge, New York City, no streetlights, like, just hilarious, like, out of a movie. And we're, like, waiting in this line. We get on this boat. We're like, okay, we're on the boat. Um, there was a fully catered vegan, like, family-style meal. Okay. Uh, so like everyone like ate vegan food, nice. like Jamaican patties and like hell yeah, mac and cheese. It was so sick. Yeah, I was at like my like old uncle's party, like just the setup. It was awesome. Like I felt like I was just like in someone's house, like chilling on a boat. I guess. Oh wow! It almost felt like we weren't supposed to be there. So it had a familial, yeah, feeling. super family they, vibe. Like, yeah. You could tell that that they appreciated and. They knew what I mean, was happening too. It, it was a boat, so yeah. it wasn't a huge. It was like there was. There's no way there was more than a hundred people there. Wow! Like no way. Um, so we ate the food, start taking off, and then we're literally <laughs> just like circling the Statue of Liberty on this boat. <laughs> and then the Gorilla Biscuits started playing. And the reason this happened is Gorilla Biscuits are very, very into having all age show, no barriers, so mm -hmm. like no nothing like separating them from the crowd. 
And New York City um, is very hard on those things in terms of laws. Okay. So the only way that they could book this show was to do it in uh, international waters. So <laughs> um, we literally got to see the Gorilla Biscuits in their hometown on a boat circling the Statue of Liberty. It was Allie's first hardcore show, which wow. is hilarious because um, obviously the Grill Biscuits don't play that many shows. Yeah. Um, I'd only seen them once before, a few years uh, before that at uh, Wrecking Ball in Atlanta, The Masquerade. Was, I think it was the last show before they shut The Masquerade down. Oh, wow. Um, I never got to make it. It was sick. I literally watched Pavement and then the Gorilla Biscuits started. Um, so <laughs> two bands that haven't played in a very long right. time. But yeah, that was awesome. I think we both have permanent hearing damage from the show. Um, which it's worth it, <laughs> but, um, after that show, like that was years ago before we started recently, we got to go to like our first show out of, well, I mean, we're not out of quarantine, but you know what I mean? Like our first show since COVID happened. Yeah. Um, and we got to see turnstile. I was there. Oof. That was just incredible. I it was, it was really cool to see just like Allie, like experiencing that and like, yeah. That was um, that was my first show since January of 2020. So it was a full year and a half. Ours was February, so not not far off. Yeah, we saw Blood Orange at Cannery. Cool. It was, it was so good. Wow, it was amazing. <laughs> he was he was so great. Okay. Ironically, there's a, there's a Blood Orange feature on the new Turnstile record. Cool. Uh, which is beyond cool in my opinion it doesn't show up like in the credits on like spotify or like you know and on the initial spotify screen you have to like yeah, get yeah. into it so it's hard to like know it's blood orange unless you know blood orange really well yeah it's just like there's not really that type of like intentional and genuine crossover happening and you know fuck what any like jaded old head says but like turnstile is definitely the setting the bar for new hardcore bands yeah like, and who, who who's that who you just referenced oh i've just heard a lot of old bald dudes being like oh, i can't listen to turnstile they're not hardcore okay and it's like well they actually are um they're just not playing the same seven inch that over and over like, right right <laughs> like the bands you want to the bands you grew up listening to but i get it it's they're young they're having fun they're doing whatever they want they're not they're not sticking to the blueprint um, yeah, and they've been in the game. They they they've been doing this for ten years. They they have those classic hardcore songs and in records, and it's just like I don't know. It's 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 silly to say that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, just because you don't get it, or it's over your head, or you just you don't want to give in to this new era of hardcore because like yeah straight up we are living in the dopest era of hardcore in my opinion right now and i'm so here for it like, wow there are so many like women involved in hardcore bands mm -hmm. like queer hardcore bands it's just like people are fed up and they they're just going for it it's like there's the youth crew sound there's just like the it's just there's something for everybody in hardcore right now and yeah like, it's so awesome to be here for it like yeah absolutely I, I get really excited thinking about it i'm like there's 
every day I'm like finding a new band where I'm like, how the hell did I not know about this band? <laughs> I found this band Gel out of New Jersey recently. And I guess I'm the living under a rock or something, but they're just killing it. Like if you haven't checked them out, like no. do yourself a favor. They're just killing it. Okay. I mean, even like we get records for the shop from Revelation, even just like in browsing their catalog, mm. you're finding so much new stuff just all the time. And he's like, no, you just buy the records immediately so we can get them into the shop and get them into Nashville. Yeah, I, I feel like a really good example of that is like Dare, um, California straight edge band right now. Okay. Um, they just recently played in Nashville and we actually vended food there. It's really sick. Nice. Um, it was uh, like a pre Furnace Fest show. It was like Comeback Kid, Love is Red, Old uh -huh. Nashville Band. Oh, wow. Uh, Terror, Dare, oh, Drained. <laughs> so it was kind of a mix between these like old hardcore bands and these new young hardcore bands. And I mean, Dare is like, they put out one of my favorite records this year for sure. It's just like that like early 2000s, like MySpace, Straight Edge, like. Uh -huh. Fuck you, I'm straight edge. This is my my song. Right. Like you're gonna like it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so good. I you know, I don't know if you know this, but record plants are like fucked right now on production. Yep. So like their physical record has been pushed back quite a bit. Yeah. And we just got an email from Revelation this past week. They're like, they're in, the yeah. records are in. <laughs> so like I'm just waiting for those records to come in. I hope they fly off the shelves because Man, they they killed it with this new one. Like, cool. I've I've listened to their stuff before. It's great, but this record is just solid. Um, and I got a chance to meet them at the show. Really great guys. Shout out to them. They bought a bunch of records and biscuits, and you know they're they're just killing it. They're just young kids, um, just like keeping it alive. That's awesome. Yeah, I will definitely check them out. Yeah, they're and when really you get it good. in, let me know that way I can come pick one up. Sick. We got yeah. a bunch of different color variants. So um, love that. I'm really excited for it. I'll be keeping some myself. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, kind of what you're talking about, like maybe Turnstile having, you know, being hardcore, having hardcore roots and whatnot. Like it, it reminds me very similar to when pop punk became a thing to where it's like, okay, like these bands in the late 90s obviously listened to a lot of Descendants, but then also like this wave of like in the the you know, the way it was like going, um, I can't even talk right now. The, <clears throat> the way it was trending in, in the late nineties, I mean, it, it feels, it feels similar and exciting. Cause like at the turnstile show, everyone I've talked to just talks about how fun it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what I remember as a kid going to a show is just like, I don't care who it is half the time. I just know it's going to be a good time. And I miss that. I feel like oh, yeah. there was some like in the early aughts, and into to like 2010 and so forth, like it just, everything got so serious. And I think also yeah. like bands were stressed and pissed because they weren't getting paid enough, gas prices, you know, the economy like crashed in 2008. So it's like- Everyone could just <laughs> download their music for free online. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are so many changes and it's like, it, it makes sense, but like, I don't know, just miss mix shows, yep, fun shows and- Whoever that band was that opened for Turnstile, they were fun. They were like kind of like they're from they were from Nashville too. I can't remember. Yeah. It's gonna piss me off. They um, were really, really sick. It's 
It's Ognol something. No, we have space phones. <laughs> this is this should not take that because I remember they had a very unique name, but it felt like watching them was like I was in the middle of a horror movie soundtrack. It yeah, was very they were really good performers, droney, really connected as a band. Um, and then you know they put their instruments down and started stage diving for turnstile. It's like, <laughs> you know, a lot of these fucking bands are just like, all right, I played, let's leave or let's go stand in the corner or let's go flirt with girls. It's like, right no, <laughs> you need to, you, you should be here for a reason. And it's like, it's just, we love this shit. Yeah. Like, it fuels us. I'm almost there. I can feel it. <laughs> I'm trying to see if they had a, an ad for Nashville. I didn't even see it on Basement the Basement East um, sold out the bill. Dang, yeah, yeah I didn't even not, know they were opening when we got there. I will find it and make <laughs> sure to put it in the intro because I talked about this on the very first episode that I did with my buddy Billy. He had an extra ticket and took me. Nice, and you know, like first time being in a room like that since pre-COVID and. Standing against the walls, like for anyone who's listened to this podcast before, that they've heard me say this before, but there's something special about a band when you're all the way in the fucking back and your back is against the wall and you feel connected to that thing that is hundreds of feet away from you. Yep. There's that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I love that. Like, I love that I was just like headbanging and just enjoying it. Like, it was instant energy as soon as they started. Like, yeah. And it didn't stop until they stopped. Yeah. Yeah, they just announced that they're playing at Brooklyn. We just got Brooklyn. our tickets today. Cool. Ceremony. Yes. First time Which seeing is, Ceremony. I've never I've seen fucking, that band. Oh, I can't. Oh, yeah. I'm going to throw up. I'm, I honestly think like this might be a hot take, but Ceremony kind of like walked so Turnstile could run. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. They went through similar things, like, you know. Cere the violence violence i don't know if you know that record it's like really old ceremony it's like i was in high school i thought that was like the pinnacle of hardcore it was just like really in your face really 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 aggressive and then like you know they release like doldrums and like they sort of transitioned into this super unique sound that was like very not hardcore mm. and it's still was awesome and like yeah not that i'm saying turnstile is not a hardcore sound anymore because it is but it, it, ceremony was like we do not need to do this we can do what we wanted to and it was actually received it wasn't like some of these bands that just like change each record to like change sure it was very intentional it's very genuine it's type of music they wanted to progress into and mm -hmm. you follow their discography and follow their growth it's really really awesome like definitely go back and check out um like their older stuff and like kind of just skim through their records and you'll you'll see if you've listened to turnstiles older stuff as opposed to their newer stuff mm -hmm. you'll see the the adjacency and the similarities okay. that i'm talking about yeah that's amazing yeah, I'm excited. That was the when my buddy Jeremy told me about it today. I was like, I've never seen pavement, right? Or ceremony, sorry. Ceremony, yeah. Ceremony. Um, I've never seen ceremony. And I'm equally excited to see Turnstile again, but then also see this other band that I've never seen yep. before ever. Low key, like one of those bands I never thought I was going to see. It's pretty cool that like Citizen is on that bill. Um, yeah. Because I grew up that. like going to house shows like 
in Bowling Green and Toledo, Ohio, and like they're Bowling, from Bowling Green, Kentucky, Ohio, Bowling, Bowling Green, Ohio, BGSU Falcons. The, <laughs> Alex says the other one. <laughs> um, okay, I uh, didn't. Yeah, I barely know anything about Ohio. I guess so. Citizen is from like the Michigan Ohio border, which is like low key Toledo. Uh huh. So. You know, they kind of started off as, like, a metalcore band, which, like, a lot of people don't really realize. Mm. Um, and, yeah, we used to, like, they used to play at the house shows that I would go to and, like, saw Citizen, like, four times a week at some points in my life. And, like, now they're a huge household name and they've got, you know, classic 12-inch records. And, like, kids love that band. It's yeah. just so cool to see them on such a big bill like that. Um it's just wild to think about. For sure. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of the band Jawbone by chance? I haven't. Okay. So my buddies are in, in this band Jawbone. They're, they're from my hometown in Evansville. And Clint, he does everything like hands-on. Um, he and his wife opened up a coffee shop slash mercantile the, pretty much the month that their firstborn was born porn. <laughs> I was their first employee, like barista at this coffee shop before moving down here. Um, but he's been in bands over the years. The, what was the band that also played? Did, were, did you go to the Turnstile show at Exit Inn by chance? Um, I didn't go to that one. I okay. went to a Turnstile show years ago at uh, maybe Cannery or High Watt. Okay. I broke my toe at that show. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. There was a there was a band that played that was very like metal ish It was like that band, then Angel Dust, and then Turnstile. And my buddy Clint pointed out, he's like, it's crazy how this style also has come back full circle. So there, there was this Christian band, I guess, uh, Demon Hunter, that was like this yeah, yeah. metal, polished metal uh -huh. band. They originally, those guys were in a hardcore band called Training for Utopia in the 90s. And they were on Tooth and Nail Records and yep. doing kind of the Christian thing. So they were like just before Norma Jean kind of broke into that scene. And then this band that played for Turnstile, I remember they got like really big there for a minute. It was the same sound. And Clint was like, this is training for Utopia 20 years later. And so... I wish I knew what band that was. Yeah. You'll have to figure it out and send it to me. For sure. I never got into that like... Norma Jean, Chariot Sound. Mm -hmm. um, sorry to Josh if you're listening to this. <laughs> My old coworker who was in the Chariot. Oh, um, cool. I, he worked at Journey's headquarters um, here, and that's why I live in Nashville. I was a designer for Journey's. Which which Josh? Uh, his last name's Byer. Byer, okay. Or Byers, okay. one of those. Yeah, yeah. So my buddy Micah, is he was, I think, their merch guy for on and off oh, over the years. He's a comedian here in town, and when Josh... Scoggin, Scogan, I don't know how to say his last name. When he came into town to do the new 68 record, he had Micah come and do stand-up for the record. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really so, cool. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you just mentioned like when you came into town or what brought you to town was... Yeah, so I had job. never even been to Nashville when I moved here. First time I ever got on a plane was for an interview I had for a job here. At Journeys? Yeah, at Journeys. I was working at Journeys at the mall in Dayton, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton Mall, uh, store 723. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It was a ratchet-ass mall. Lots of face tattoos. Yeah, it, it was Dayton. Dayton's cool. I like Dayton. I went to school there. 
Um, met some really cool people. Met some really shitty people. But yeah, the mall. I was working at the mall. I was in art school and working at the mall. And we literally got an email that was like, hey, from Journeys. It was like, we're looking for a designer. So I just was like, oh, I'll apply. And then they like hit up my store manager and something. They're like, hey, is this guy cool? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> um, and they gave me an interview. And that's when I like got on the plane to come here. Never been on a plane, which I already said, but literally got to the airport. There was a rental car there waiting for me. But I was so young, I wasn't able to do with a rental car. They had no idea that I was only like 20 years old. <laughs> Um, and I only went to a, I went to like this weird, not weird. I went to this private art school thing that was like only two years long. Uh So I got out of school super early. But anyway, so I literally was like, Hey, they're not letting me drive this rental car. Someone has to come get me. (laughs) So how long ago was this? Uh, 2014. Okay. So yeah, they like. Thankfully, the the headquarters is like on Murphy's Rope Hike, so it's like literally right yeah. by the airport. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they went, gotten, they picked me up or whatever, brought me there, and I like interviewed, whatever, went home. Then they were like, "Yeah, like we want to give you the job," and I was like, "Cool." I had like literally like went to my interview, and that was it. Like I didn't like explore Nashville. I didn't know anybody that lived in Nashville. Sure. I had one friend that lived in Nashville. He was going to Belmont. Uh, and he worked with me at the mall in Dayton before he came here to go to Belmont. Um, so I like knew him at least like thankfully when I moved here or when I was interviewing, but then they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to give you a job offer. I was like living out of my car kind of because I had like a slumlord situation and like bed bed bugs, cockroaches. Yeah, it was bad. But so I was like, I'm in a job interview process. I'm not going to get a new lease. So I was like just waiting to hear back. Yeah. Um, like crashing on friends' couches and shit like that. But anyway, they were like, hey, we're offering you this job. Can you start on Monday? It was like a Tuesday. And I was like, what? So they like flew me down there and I had like four days to find a place. And then wow. get all my shit and come here and like literally start like that following week. Yeah. So I had never been to Nashville and I was just like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> um, Cause I needed a job. Right. That is so unhinged. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's very, it's very Zach energy. Um, so I like found a place uh, in Hermitage. Um, hated it. It was like a random apartment complex. Yeah. But moved there and started working at Journeys. And was a designer there, I guess. That's crazy. So Do you ever work with a Glenn? Glenn Will? Yeah, Glenn was awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's from my hometown. He's, oh, really? Yeah, he came up in the, the store there. Does he? Oh, yeah, he was working at Journeys, right? Yeah. Most people, this is pretty cool of Journeys. I will give him that. Um, Journeys is really big. Their, their ethos are really big on hiring from within. Mm. So... I don't remember the percentage. I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's something like 70 to 80% of their home office employees are hired from within stores. Wow. So like a lot of them like never went to college and like they literally gave them these dope opportunities to like learn a bunch about like sales and merchandising and like, yeah, and to move and like start in this cool city and like, I think I respect that. That's really cool. And a lot of companies do not do that. And it's like, yeah, 
you know, I have my whatever with journeys and I'm obviously not there anymore, but like, I do think that is very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Glenn always spoke highly of him. Uh, he was a store manager for forever. When he left there and went to Nashville, it was like a big deal. That was probably like 2006 or seven. So he's yep. been here for forever. A lot of Just store wondered managers. if he ever stayed with it. I, I, I think the last I heard he's not there anymore, but okay. I, that could just be my brain. Like, sure. Telling me things. I mean, um, things but, happen. <laughs> yeah. A lot of store managers, like that's like, that's their goal. Like they want to get to home office. Like, yeah, you know, they want to get out of that, like working every holiday and working 75 hours a week and they just want the nine to five. They want to, you know, it's rough. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And which you guys, I mean, I respect that you guys have set hours. Like, do you get to have days off from the shop or is it 24 seven right now? Today was our day off and we were at the shop for like maybe five hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not too bad actually. Okay. What's the process like, you know, since we're on the topic of like working long hours and holidays and whatnot, like to get as many biscuits that you need to get in into Beehive or other places as well as keep yourselves stocked. Like, is there a baking process or do you just like, I'm curious, how do you like mold them? What to, does our week look like? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we pretty much... Like you said, we wholesale to the Beehive, so Hot Poppy, Dose, a few other places. Um, so we usually prep. Oh, yeah, Dark Matter, Tempo. I'm forgetting somebody. A&M Marketplace, which is um, a relatively new marketplace in the Nashville Farmer's Market. Okay. Um, so we prep pretty much like Monday through Wednesday, and then if we have something to do Tuesday, usually I go in and do it. Um and that's enough to get us through most of our wholesale accounts and then throughout our, like, store hours, too. Um, biscuits are pretty much a two-day process. It's not as bad as, like, croissants. Those are, like, a three-day process. So you, you guys have done croissants? <laughs> oh, hell no. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, you spoke, like, you said that from experience. No, I just, it's, if you want to make them, like, just the proper, like, traditional way, it takes so long and then no matter like what process you do it ends up being that long with mm -hmm. biscuits i mean you can make quick biscuits or like ours take two days which i don't know there's ways to make biscuits that don't take two days but that's why our biscuits are the way they are and the way that <laughs> we have built the fan base we have and yeah. like you can tell when someone used a mixer or you know they there's just it's it's so temperature and timing involved and yeah. it's there's very little room for error right um and Allie has just like perfected the the uh the process behind that for us the process that works for us that i'm not saying you that you can't make biscuits without a mixer but you know the people can tell yeah i mean just so you guys know like when i got to have my first one at the beehive 10 year was it birthday or anniversary? Anniversary. Anniversary. Yeah. Okay, cool. When I got to have my first one there, I felt like I was super fucking late because all of my friends had had it. Or like I, I got DM'd so hard about you guys for like two weeks before your opening. You were late, but we forgive you. Yeah, thank, all right. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll make it up with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like I, I had it and I... So... 
a little background. I lived in Germany for a little bit. And oh, me too. <laughs> so you know, the, like the German bakers are like oh, fucking so amazing. Yes. And German bread Brotchen. holds together. Little brochen. Yeah, yeah. brochen. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. which, is, which is bread roll for the non-German speakers out yeah. there. Allie's being modest. She speaks German. <laughs> I, I went to Belmont for German. Wir können auf Deutsch sprechen. Oh, wir können, aber mein Deutsch ist jetzt wirklich nicht so gut. Ja, ja ich muss auch üben, aber wir können. Aber wir können. <laughs> yeah, everyone should see Zach's face, but you can't. It's a podcast. <laughs> my um, Before I moved in with Zach, my last roommate also spoke German. So when Zach would come over and my roommate would like, want to talk to me about it, he would just switch to German and then Zach would just be sitting there like, yeah. So you, you, have you lived in Germany? Um, I I'm trying did a, so hard not to ask in German now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did like, um, a semester in Berlin. Um, oh, hell yeah. I dropped out of Belmont and enrolled in a school there. I did my semester there and then transferred my credits back to Belmont. But I... I actually did it to write my senior thesis for Belmont where I studied German punk. So I really like like Einstein and Neubauten and the Ärzte and like yeah. Abwarts and Die Totenhosen. Yeah, Die Totenhosen. The death pants. <laughs> yes, the Totenhosen <laughs> were yeah, they were in my thesis. Like, oh, that's sick. <laughs> it was awesome. I spent a lot of time. Um there's obviously lots of like crazy punk shit in Berlin. Um Yeah. But I was down in Dresden a lot to like check out the stuff down there. Um, went to a lot of like random like punk archives. Like it was such a crazy experience. So that was the first punk that I was ever into. What year were you in Berlin? Uh, 2018. That was okay. my third time there, but that one was 2018. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever get to go to the Stasi Museum? Yes, it is horrifying. <laughs> <sighs> it's so scary. Okay. I know like we're getting way off topic. I don't even give a fuck right now. This is for hardly anyone knows what I'm talking about. So it's really like underrated. Like people yes. don't know that it's there. I mean, it's a little outside of like anything, which is, it was the Stasi headquarters. So that yeah. makes sense. But Do you know what the Stasi is or was? Okay. The Stasi I've was the East me. German specifically in uh, they were the East German police and they were like kind of like the FBI for the East German East Berlin it police. stands for something but I'm gonna like fuck it up yeah but Stasi is the first part of like their full name as the police and they yeah. tapped and watched everyone and yeah. had like huge like Soviet influence in the way that they did everything mm-hmm. um so yeah like I've talked to other German majors and people who've lived in Germany um, and asked if they've been to that museum. So it is, it, you just made my day because <laughs> hard, like it's always a hard no. And the reason I'm stoked about it is because I went there for school as well in 2012 and my friend who, who oh, I, was I was there in 2012 too. You were, what? I was there in 2012 too for high school though. That's, but. okay. <laughs> <laughs> just keep, just keep laying it on. Yeah. All right. No. Um, so Emily, who is from Scotland, had lived in Berlin and gone to school before. And she was like, hey, I know what everyone else is doing before we have to leave town tomorrow. We were there for like a weekend. 
She's like, do you want to do that? Or I can give you like a personal tour and we can walk around and see like some really cool shit, including the Stasi Museum. And I was like, fuck yeah. So we went and I can't remember, like we saw the hotel where Michael Jackson held the baby over the oh, guardrail. Yeah. And <laughs> just but Right then, by the Brandenburger tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then... Did you get a photo of someone like dangling you out the window? No, no. That, we were, we were, we were like busting ass to get back to the bus at that point. So, um, so yeah, we, we did this whole like morning to ourselves and she took me to like, you know, a place where we got breakfast and whatever. The Stasi Museum was like the thing that I for sure wanted to do and she yeah. knew it. And we spent probably an hour and a half there just kind of weaving through that whole thing um yeah it's crazy so back to the reason i brought up germany in the first (laughs) place (laughs) it's not about me (laughs) yeah no it's great that's great because you will appreciate this when i had the blt that i learned is a one-off thing for festivals and events and whatnot i was like this bread is not falling apart this is like german bread which is the greatest compliment to bread is that like it's not it doesn't mush and it doesn't f- just immediately go in 10 different directions so like i <laughs> loved it and i you know i've only been back a few times you know for the i got the pumpkin on halloween and then just the other day did the jalapeno the black out the black out with yeah. the cherries and jalapeno uh-huh yeah yeah i gave a shout that out on the good. on the podcast yesterday on it i was raving about it um that was awesome i didn't get to eat it right away so i put it in the fridge and then warmed it up the next day and put the the butter that you gave me on it and like shit that one <laughs> it's so good that made me nervous when we were coming up with the recipes <laughs> i had to fight for that one okay I, I believed in it so much and i knew it and you know, Allie was like, eh, she didn't like like it at first. And she was like, this is too crazy. And then like, we have like a low key mentor in business and it's our most expensive biscuit because of the ingredients. And it's when we were doing home delivery was like the least popular. So it made sense to maybe like pivot and get rid of it. And uh-huh. I was like, no, like this is our product. This is what sets us apart. Like, yeah. Anybody can make a, well, no one can make a biscuit like us, but <laughs> people can make a buttermilk biscuit. Right. People have done the like bootleg red lobster biscuit. We're not original in that. But cherry jalapeno is ours and it's fucked up good and is the best biscuit we have. Yeah. And you are a poser if you haven't tried it yet. <laughs> and that's where I stand on it. Tell me how you really feel. Um, <laughs> But no, like the the cherries, they, you know, man, sucks for anyone who doesn't live in Nashville right now to go get one of these. But the cherries were so crispy. Like they, like, I don't know how you cooked them or baked them or whatever, what, like what you did, but it's that really, was my favorite part. It's really cool because, you know, you see the words cherry jalapeno yeah. and your brain tells you sweet and spicy. Uh-huh. And your brain is wrong. And... The reason is because we pickle the um, jalapenos in-house. How do you do that? Um, Allie, you want to take over? He hasn't made the pickled jalapenos, (laughs) obviously. Um, So I worked at the Grilled Cheesery actually before we, I mean, before the tornado um, pretty Mm. much and before COVID. 
Um, and I, they're, they have amazing pickled products, um, pickles, uh, pickled celery, like ju just really good pickled products. And I worked in their commissary kitchen. So I was pickling a lot of things, yeah. like, you know, a hundred pounds of cucumbers, just these humongous cucumbers, uh -huh. absolutely filled with whatever pickled. Um, so when Zach came to me with the idea, I guess we were like, all right, no fresh jalapenos because they were all, I don't, it just wasn't working. So we switched to pickled. Um, you pretty much just pour super hot water, vinegar, salt, and sugar over them and then wait. Okay. Super simple. We add some spices, which I will not reveal, but they're in Great. there. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I have a chili recipe that I don't talk about yep. with anyone. I would so. just like eat it with a spoon, like outside of a blackout, like just eat spoonfuls of pickled jalapeno. Yeah. It is. Did you ever drink so pickle juice? Good. Yes. <laughs> I never drank pickle juice. I, I didn't did. really get it. No, no. But I've had like uh, pickle juice like backs for like shots of whiskey yeah, and stuff. And sure. that is fire. Yeah. Get a Clausen jar of pickles because they, oh, okay. they have all the herbs and shit. They have the dill and, right. and, and all the floating like baby onions and yeah. So like <laughs> I, I, don't, I really like those like pickleback like yeah. I should get one. I haven't got one of those in years. Yeah. I always forget. We'll, we'll take five. Um, so back uh we just took a took a took a fiver um take five like yeah. the, the candy bar <laughs> they need to make a vegan version of that that's a good ass candy bar i don't know that i've ever had one really is there caramel in it it's got every it's like a candy bar where they're like all right let's take every candy bar and put it together it's got like pretzels in it it's got like uh caramel what's the caramel. color of the packaging i think it's red you might have to Google this one. Oh my gosh. Definitely know that I really enjoyed them. Okay. Three Musketeers. Probably my least favorite candy bar. I went through <laughs> a Three Musketeers phase because it tasted really great and fizzy with sodas. Mm. So, like, I'm a texture person. I want a crunch or something. I don't want just fluffy texture inside. That's why I like it. Who made us some? Oh, that take were vegan? five. Allison made us not not Milky Way. That oh, take not, five? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they were Snickers bars and they were good as hell. Yeah, those are super good. Yeah. The fives they, are, they need, whoever's listening to this and wants to impress us, they need to make a vegan take five bar. Justin's, get on it. Yeah. Because take five did, it says Reese's. And take it's five. It's from Reese's? They did, I guess, a combo thing with Reese's. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, it was like, it was peanut butter, like caramel peanuts, and like pretzels or something. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has the pretzel sitting there. That was a good crunch. More candy bars need to take the leap and put pretzels inside. Yeah, I'll make sure to tag Justin's on this. They need to get on that. <laughs> like, that's not that can't be that hard to shove a pretzel in it. Right. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, Ali was just talking about um, uh, a girl, a, a vegan baker here in town. She takes like special orders, and she also bakes everything at the Wild Cow. Uh, Allison or Raw Vegan Creations. Um, she made us some like custom like vegan Snicker bars like two years ago. Ooh, <sighs> they were good. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, there's what's that ice cream company that makes those like frozen things that are like 
Yeah, the the frozen kind bars uh-huh. that happen to be vegan. Uh-huh. Um, if anyone's ever had those ice cream Snickers bars as a kid, yeah, remember you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The frozen kind bars taste exactly like those. It's a it's a vegan hidden gem. Really? Yeah, you can find them like next to like they're like in the popsicle section of like okay. Kroger and stuff. Yeah, we we tend to you know when getting ice cream, it's usually. Um, like the so delicious or the like that they do a cashew vanilla bean oh. that I will inhale in one sitting. Have you tried the Brave Robot vanilla? What no. So Brave Robot is awesome. It is a new vegan ice cream company, newer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's real lactose. So it's it's lab grown. It's like the future is here. It's like <laughs> it's fully vegan, but it's you, you like said the real it's lab drone. Yeah, I'm like, I've been watching the the Watchmen series on HBO <laughs> Max, so I'm like my mind's like what to the shit that I'm seeing there, dude. You got to get it. It's, okay, it's it it's crazy. I cannot believe I've been vegetarian vegan for a long time. And yeah, I can't believe it when I eat it. Okay, we use it for our ice cream sandwiches. Um, that were at the beehive event actually. Ooh. We did the chocolate and the vanilla in just a normal straight edge biscuit. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard to make, but it, it was delicious. Yeah. We were talking a little bit on the break, um, Zach and I, about um, the hours that you guys are putting in right now. Mm-hmm. And he's, he mentioned that you guys have baker's hours and go to bed early. Oh, yeah. What? Does, Try to go to bed early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does it look like to, you know, we, we're kind of getting it. Oh my gosh, I cannot speak. We we're kind of getting at it earlier. Like, what does the schedule look like for baking the amount yeah. of stuff you need to do? Yeah. We, um, so when on shop days, we usually go in between five and six, which is actually like, it's not that early for a baker because um, we pe- prep everything. Monday through Wednesday, so everything's frozen, which is how we sell our product anyway. Yeah. So we just pop it in the oven and let it bake. I mean, our oven fits a quarter sheet, so it's a very, very tiny oven. That's like a pan that you have at home. It's half that size, so we can bake six biscuits at a time. Okay. We get there pretty early. Um, And and this is at the location? Yeah. Yeah, at our shop, um, it's only 180 some square feet, so it's, it's, yeah. it's a tiny little thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it took a lot of Tetrising to like figure out how to fit. It's our only location. It's our full commercial kitchen. Um, it's our prep kitchen. It's our um, normal like I guess restaurant hours kitchen, um, and it's tiny, so that's why we have such a tiny little oven. Yeah, but it's a cool spot, and like you. I'm curious, like, how did you guys find that spot? Because all the shops around you guys are also really They're cool. So and awesome. It's a really good community. We love all of those business owners over there. They're pretty much all women business owners, except cool. for, I think, two of the shops currently. Uh-huh. Um, in our exact, like, shopping center, it continues across the street, which is also mostly women-owned, actually, at the end of the day. Um it's a really good community. We were put on there by Courtney, who owns In Good Company, hmm. um, which is the shop behind us, like on a diagonal, kind of. Um, but we know her through uh, Farmers Markets, which is that's not how we know through her. Abby. Oh, and through Abby. So Abby. I was more involved in Farmers Markets last year because uh, I worked for one. Okay. 
Um, so I knew Courtney through that and through the East Nashville Farmers Market. And then you also knew her because his old roommate, Abby Black, who's another baker in town, worked for her for, I don't know, a year or two. Yeah. Abby is the one that was like, hey, like, Courtney might be moving out of her spot. So, like, hit her up. <laughs> and we were like, oh, okay. And then the, that didn't end up happening, but we had still hit up management. And that's how it, like, we kind of heard about the spot and got in cool. there. Um, but we, when we got the spot, you know, it was four walls. Like, there was no kitchen. There was no like, countertop there like you have now? No, 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 no. My dad built that. Are you serious? <laughs> he flew into town for three days, worked from Guys, getting that off is the amazing. plane to getting on the plane. Yeah, I hurt my back a while ago. So um, it was just Zach and my dad pretty much and you're handy enough, but you're not really handy. So I cut a lot of corners. I get it done, but it's not done the right you way. You don't say and because I sent the video of you starting your truck with your screwdriver oh to my, my friend. All right. I don't know if you want me to keep this in there or not, but I was so stoked. I sent it to my friend, Doug, who is like stripped his own cars down and rebuilt them and, and whatnot. And it's, it's like, his truck's not the only one getting turned on here. Oh my God. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, dude, my truck broke down at Kroger and I was like about to jump it. And I hear like behind me, I hear Ford. And I was like, what? <laughs> I turned around. It's like this old hillbilly ass dude. I'm like, yeah, it's a Ford. He literally walks up and just like puts a fucking like screwdriver on it. And it literally started. <laughs> And I was like, man. And he just walked away. Yeah. Didn't say anything. I was like, man, that was really cool. I can't wait to do that one day. <laughs> and then, and yeah, now like sometimes my truck won't start. I mean, it's an 89, so it's yeah. older than me. I told my neighbor, I was like, you know, there might be an, an old four truck rolling up here shortly. And I was like, he's from Nebraska and, you know, loves like country life and stuff. Yes. He's, he's a country singer songwriter as well. That's awesome. So very Nashville. Yeah. Um, no, we took the uh, we took the Kia Soul here today. Yeah. So. <laughs> Safe choice though. Hamster riding. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I love that truck. Um, I ended up getting it for free. Uh, well, yeah, I traded. I was gonna take. I had a 2009 Dodge Caliber, which is like kind of like a soccer mom car type deal. They're mm -hmm. like hatchbacks. It was cool. I bought it in high school, brand new for some reason. Do not do that ever. Don't just like work at Applebee's and think you can buy a new car because you have a paycheck. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I paid it off. Speaking of paying off things, what is it like running a business and having to fork, I'm assuming fork over a whole lot of money just to even so money. open your doors? <laughs> What's that like? Horrifying, <laughs> to say the least. Um, no, money's been obviously a huge factor in every aspect of our lives, but especially for this, um, neither of us come from families that like have a lot of money or anything like that. Um, we both have very different stories, but, um, we don't have much of like a safety net at the end of the day. So it was just a really scary risk. I think overall, um, a storefront was also not like, Exactly the plan. It just mm. kind of happened. Yeah. Um, we were looking for a place to build a private kitchen. And we like stumbled across this, like we talked about earlier from Courtney. Um, 
and within our lease. It was the best, like, it was pretty much the exact size we were looking for for a kitchen. It was the right price for us, but it required that we be open to the public. So that's pretty much how it became a storefront. Yeah. It just, like, all happened. So, yeah, we didn't have a lot of, like, financial planning or anything like that. Um and everything else was easy with the government, city stuff, oh, right? So easy. Yeah, it was just, just a breeze. And yeah, then before you knew, no you're problem. open. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was utterly chaotic. So I mean, obviously, for like health code and building codes and just all that technical stuff, there's so many just points you have to hit and boxes that you have to check in order to just be a legally operating business. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of that is super public and what information is public, it is not very well, uh, not organized, but like, it's not, it's just not accessible. Yeah. Yeah, Especially, I don't know. It's just a, a mess of things and it's a lot of just figuring things out. Like what's one thing you wish someone would have told you that you you discovered along the way. <laughs> okay. So after we like built out the kitchen, we finished everything. You do your like initial health inspection where mm-hmm. they're like, this is built to code and you're safe and everything's healthy and you know, whatever. Yeah. Your fridges work and everything's. Yeah. The GFCI outlets. Yeah. Literally like just crazy <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah. Um, so that just like normal um, health code you get, your like score back, whatever it's actually, it ends up being an NA score because it's like your first one. It's not a real inspection because you're mm. not actually open. But the point that we got off, I was so fucking mad. It was for not having a no smoking sign. And that was the only point that we got off. Really? I was so bummed. It was, I mean, I, it was pretty dumb because it was one of the things listed on the actual like sheet that they give you where your score is displayed. So I should Mm -hmm. have definitely like looked at that before we had our inspection, but that's like the thing that paper isn't super accessible online Mm because it's something you have the health inspector fills out and print out and prints out and I can like find super um, blurry copies of it online, but not enough to like actually read what each bullet is, which it seems like such a small thing, but like, we got a point off because the paper wasn't accessible for us. Yeah. I was so bummed. And just like to expand on that, like that's like a pretty funny thing, but like there's no like checklist or like resource that's like these are the things you need to do to open a business. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason for that. So it's like, you know, it's just that overarching thing of like, these are the reasons people like us don't open businesses because it's so fucking hard. And like, there's no one there to help you. Sure, you can call the clerk and like wait in line on the phone for 45 minutes, but it's like, yeah, we're trying to open a business. Like, we don't hmm. have time for this. Like, we don't have the money to like pay people to do this for us or like tell us what to do or like, you know we've never opened a business before. So like we didn't have the experience of like doing that. Like, um, so there's just like so many things that are like the only way to find out is by like someone being like, well, you should have done this or like Mm. you can't do that because you didn't do this or it's like. So a lot of after the fact. Every single step is a bottleneck put in place by um, not one entity, but it's just 
it's it's not set up in a way that you know not to keep using this buzzword but like it's it's just not an accessible process mm. um and that's you know something that Allie has brought up on like the back end of things that like is really important to her and to us as a business um considering our ego ego jesus christ our <laughs> ethics and our ethos yeah. of why we started this in the first place is that like it's very important to us that now that we have these this knowledge and these resources that we want to make them available to folks either it on our website or a zine or an open forum on our website that people can ask us questions like we we don't know the answers to a lot of these things but mm. like if we can't help we want to help um because you know like Ali said we are not rich we did not come from money like we did a literal crowdfunding campaign to be able to open our doors like there are ways that people can and to be the like cheesiest that I can be follow their dreams and like open a literal storefront like yeah you can do it and it's like you know there are so many things put in place that tell you you can't for this reason and that reason and mm -hmm. blah, blah 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 but like we want to at least soften the blow of that initial like shock and all of like fuck like how do we do this yeah. you know like because like you said like you know there might be some like kid that's 10 years older than us that like wants to to do this that and the third and has no idea like you know like they, there needs to be something out there that people can look to that helps them become mm -hmm. a reality because at the end of the day you know if you're community focused and you want to like make a difference like you should have a platform and a spot to do that you know so if you want to make a difference, you should be given that opportunity. What's um, it been like talking to other small shop or indie business owners? Was there any advice or anyone that came along the way that really helped? Uh, so like I mentioned, like I worked at the Grilled Cheesery for a long time. Mm -hmm. And apart from Crystal, the one of the owners who's the chef, she literally taught me how to cook, but aside from her, her partner, um, Joseph, her husband, he is like the admin side of things. Like he's just very meticulous, very good at what he does. Um, I mean, <laughs> we've asked them for a lot of favors and just a lot of advice and feedback and all that jazz. And I think that one of the things that stuck with us from what Joseph said was to just pick like a singular thing and roll with it. Like mm. Perfect that. He was like, don't expand your menu. Don't offer something other than biscuits. Yeah. Like, focus on your thing and perfect it. And once you've perfected it, you can do something else. But you've got to like stick to your guns, which would be why they own a few restaurants that only serve grilled cheese. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that stuck with us a lot. That's great because, well, go ahead. Well, and, and just like those rules like apply to what I was doing before this, which is design. It's like you cannot break the rules until you know the rules. Mm. And it's like you – there's a lot of restaurants in Nashville like that are so unconfident in what they're doing that they're constantly chasing this new menu item, this new thing. And it's like 
that's why they have no foot in the game because they can't figure out what they want to do. And it's like, we know what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we're doing. You know, like we have people come in the shop and they're like, you don't have breakfast sandwiches. You don't have fake eggs on, you know, with cheese. And it's like, no. Yeah. We have a line out the door. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it sounds cocky and arrogant, but it's not. It's, we are very confident in what we offer. Mm-hmm. And what we offer is this very fast and casual experience that, you know, it's it's not gentrifying the bodega, but it's very bodega adjacent in that, like, you know the owners, you're friendly with them, you mm-hmm. come in and you bullshit with them, and it's like you know what you want. Like, it's, it's, it's sort of like any other concept in Nashville, and that's because we're not trying to do what everyone else is doing. We're not chasing this thing that, like, or following this blueprint. It's just like, we make good biscuits. These are the flavors we're going to give you. You can buy them fresh or you can take them home and make them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. And, like, that's that's why when we do pop-ups and stuff, like the beehive thing you mentioned, how you found us. Like, yeah. that's when we'll get creative and, like, do crazy shit. And, like, you know, this is this is just what we're doing. And it's, the response has been insane. And everyone has just been so receptive to it. You know, there's, there's crazy chefs that we would have never had interactions with or talked to that are you know telling us we're doing it right and telling us the food is great and like it, it's just been so rewarding to um actually follow through with something in a way that mm. we wanted to do um and it sort of is just working and we're not asking any questions so you feel like you stuck to your guns on like doing what you you want to do knocking it out of the park you know and, and sticking to the one thing like we also kind of had to because at the end of the day like everything that gorilla biscuits is is just like a straight up combination of me and zach like Mm. (laughs) if you're just doing what i don't know what you like and what you do and something that like represents you you're not going to stray from that too much so like even obviously zach is more of a music person so that ties a huge role into the business i mean down to our name and then i'm the food person but then zach's a designer so that like that plays a really big role in it too yeah that's great it just kind of like is an extrapolation of both of us at the end of the day yeah and i don't know that like limitation is the word but like kind of that idea of keeping it simple yeah with everything that you're describing to me about opening a business and all the steps that you have to take, I would have to assume, and you can tell me, that at the end of the day, like having all the work that you've done, putting the shop together, going before whatever city council or clerk you've had to <laughs> talk to, going back knowing like you've got one thing to do and not a whole menu has yes. got to be somewhat better for your mental health or your psyche <laughs> like you, yes. you got one goal <laughs> i like routines a lot okay um it keeps me just like focused and happy at the end of the day like i need to know what's coming and exactly what i need to prep and i like each week to be relatively similar so it helps to kind of stick to one thing and kind of i don't know work out all the kings mm-hmm and by sticking to our menu and like what we want to do, it's just like that also gives us the opportunity to focus on the 
other shit that we want to do as a business that we want to encourage other businesses to do, like contributing to the free fridge and cleaning the free fridge and donating our time and really trying to give back to the community because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the community is why we are open. Mm -hmm. Uh, We mentioned before we were a crowdfunded company Mm -hmm. um, and we would not be open without that crowdfunding. Um, So it's like, you know, Ali speaks on it better than I do, even though I've been vegan for longer. It's just like there are many layers to veganism that involve more than just not eating meat. And it's just, you know, like we as a company feel like we need to do those things. And if we were constantly just trying to like come up with like new shit to serve at our restaurant based on us being insecure about it, like we wouldn't be able to focus on stuff. And I feel like insecurity Mm. is a lot of the reason that a lot of places have these gigantic menus and they have very little, very um, broad focus on what they're selling. Um, It's because they, they, they're not focusing on, you know, a certain type of thing or a certain thing that they really know they're killing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just not us. So with the uh, with the holidays coming up, you guys looking forward to any dishes? Know of any good vegan dishes that I should attempt to any make specials? this year? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's think. Biscuits is always a good one. Obviously, <laughs> like you could try a vegan turducken. A what? What? Do you know what a ver- uh, turducken is? No, I'm assuming it has turkey in it with the tur in it. So just phonetically, stay with me during this turducken. It's a turkey stuffed with a duck <laughs> stuffed with a chicken. Okay. Is this what Guy Fieri or whatever his name is? There's on the Peacock app, you can watch classic SNL Thanksgiving episodes and Bobby Moynihan does Guy Fieri or Fieri, whatever you say his name. <laughs> he does this like, it's a chicken stuffed in a rat and stuck in, and he like lists yes, off all these gotta things. that's got to be what he's playing. He's, okay, it's a playing. real dish. Like okay. people make it. It's like very hard to make, and like I've never seen it. I've never. I, it's 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 a uh, it's a legend in my book. <laughs> but like, I don't want to see. It. I do think it would be hilarious to see a vegan take on a turducken. Oh yeah, when it's like you just buy the garden, the the fucking tofurkey. <laughs> like you just buy like three different like vegan. It's gonna be like five pounds of just <laughs> seitan. <laughs> I've had some vegan duck. There's there's like Asian restaurants that have vegan duck. Huh. You can buy canned vegan duck. I'm not saying it's good, but they have it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's don't don't try that. Okay. But if you do, I want to I want to try it and I want to see videos. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'll get on that, Zach. Uh- <laughs> I'm like a you know we're both Midwesterners. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and you, not me and Allie. Uh, well, I guess Philly's Midwest. Yeah, we're all Midwesterners. I'm two hours from the East Coast, like the literal water. So you don't consider Philly Midwest? Do you I'm say geographically challenged? Do you say yins? No, I do not. That's okay, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Okay, I always forget. She says use use. Say water. I don't say water, but my parents say water and water. Eagles, yeah, water. And they say eagles instead of eagles. What about? Do you add an like the Jersey New Jersey people? Do you add an S to everything? I think like the targets. <laughs> 
No, but I know I know a lot of you know people what I'm talking like about? that. Yeah. The my Walmarts. Si- <laughs> yes. My sister lives in Staten Island, which obviously not Jersey, but the accent kind of moves its way up there and it's just it's a mess. Her accent at this point. She's got the Philly mixed with the Staten Island mixed with Jersey somehow. She sounds like the nanny on drugs. Like, <laughs> it's like the nanny, the but nanny in the Sopranos, drugs. you know, like it's like Fran as Carmela. Oh my gosh, Fran. <laughs> no, no, no. We caught but, up. Like there might be an age gap, but we just caught up. No, the, the funniest thing I ever heard from Philly, we were on the train there and there was a dude, there was like a family trying to like take a selfie <laughs> and there was a dude across the like way on the train and he had a camera on his neck. Uh-huh. And he just looks at the family and he goes, yo, use want to use my camera? <laughs> he literally used the word use twice back to back, but in different ways. And it blew my mind. I thought it was the coolest, funniest thing ever. <laughs> like, that is language. Like, that is like, <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, like. Use want to use my, my camera. camera. <laughs> and like the just funniest accent, you know? Yeah. Like there's oh, Ed so Bassmaster. Good. He's from Philly. He's a comedian on YouTube. He's I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's a guy who would walk up to people. Um <laughs> it's like during Christmas time, during the holidays, he walks up to people with like uh an ugly sweater and I I think he's bald, so he's wearing a wig, and he'll literally just walk up, stare at someone, <laughs> just go, psh, just like kind of do this motion, then walk away. And they're like, what? And he's like, Psh. <laughs> <laughs> and I it pisses that. so many people yeah. off. <laughs> and they're like, what's your problem? And he's like, Psh. <laughs> just doesn't say a word and just keeps pissing. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's some 2 a.m. trying to fall asleep and go to my <laughs> 5 a.m. shift at Starbucks shit right there. Um, <laughs> the old days. Yeah. I think that my, I got permission from my mom to make, roasted veggies. I made them one year, did root vegetables. So did like carrots, red onion, beets, parsnips, turnips, garlic, uh, basil, parsley, salt, pepper, and just like mix it all with a bunch of oil. So do that and then throw it in the oven and just roast them for forever. I did it one year and she's like, you got to do that again. So she's very traditional with her dishes. So for her to accept something outside of the norm is like, it's yeah, nice. That's how my family is for the most part. They've gotten much better over the last few years. Because, I mean, I thought veganism was crazy until I met Zach. So then, of course, my family thought it was crazy for like... You thought it was crazy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't okay. get it. On our first day, I, uh, we went... Well, not our first day. It was one of our first dates. We went to Lyra um, over in East Nashville. And I got like an entire mini chicken. It was like the size of like a football. And I was sitting across from him who had been vegan for like years at this point, literally on our like second date. I think what's funny to note about that is, uh, Lyra has tons of vegan options, like naturally. Cause it's like <laughs> what, uh, Middle East, not Middle Eastern. It's like Mediterranean. Like, I don't know. It was just really funny to see like Oh, you picked the most meat item you could pick on a like seventy-five percent vegan. <laughs> I just, I just, like I said, I didn't get it at all. But my family like has come around to it enough where like they'll do like the vegan butter, and of course they've had our biscuits, and mm. now they're like progressing even more. So like the last Christmas that I had with my entire extended family was 
2019, I think, like mm -hmm. the one right before COVID, I guess. Um, and everyone used vegan butter, and it was like nice. the big talk of the Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone was like, "I'm trying it," and it, it, it's margarine. Like it tastes the same as right anything yeah. else, which is hilarious. But I mean, what are we? We're going to Asheville um, for Christmas with my family, and we're like planning everything that we're gonna eat right now. What's on the menu? Who knows? <laughs> Definitely mac and cheese. Nice. Green bean casserole is a must. I got this really good like copycat uh, Campbell's cream and mushroom soup recipe uh -huh. um, that I found online. Yep. Sorry, I can't plug the author. I forget who it was, but it tastes exactly like the just like shitty canned like, yeah. Campbell's. And you know, that's like the key thing beyond the fried onions uh, for mm -hmm. the green bean casserole. So that's my favorite, like, Thanksgiving meal. Uh, that's going to be on there. Mashed potatoes. I did mashed pie. potatoes with oat milk this week, I've, or I've been doing that for a few months now, and, like, I can't taste it. You got to do uh, cream cheese. Cream cheese. Okay. My mom puts cream cheese and sour cream in her ma mashed potatoes. I have done that. In the, um, yeah. So, so good. Yeah. Yeah like mayonnaise, whatever. It's all the same thing when you're vegan. It's all some nut, tofu. Like, I don't know. Just, just white nut cream. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's been good getting to know you guys and hearing the story and kind of getting to know the people behind the counter. I will just say that I have really no idea what it's like to open a public business on that level. So I'm proud of you guys for handling it the way that you are. I know there's rough days. I'm sure that there's like moments, but you're doing a good thing. So thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah. It's been a journey. It's hard to juggle like just like figuring out like, you know, you have to give yourself time off and like, you know, you have to like focus on your mental health, but like whew, it's hard once you're like open and like everything's mm -hmm. happening and like, your business is not slowing down, which is great. Like it's accelerating. It's like, there's no complaints there. Like, yeah. We're staying busy, but like, it's just hard navigating it. And it's just another one of those things that like no one talks about. There's no resources, like mm. how to just like deal with this. And like, you know, it's just so important to like give yourself that, like come up with that structure, even though it's like so hard to come up with a structure because you know, you're working 24 seven, but you have to, you know, yeah. we're, we're working on it. Uh, we're getting back to like a place where we can like, hopefully have some time off and like get back to being creative and like, you know, like all that shit. But like, it's just one of those things that we have to figure out and we're working through it, but it's been really great. Like we love being open. We love, like we never, like Ali said, like we never anticipated really having a storefront, but like, mm. Now that we have that outlet and that access to the community, it's it's just been great. And, you know, we love seeing, like, old Southern ladies come in who, like, don't even know what veganism is and, like, or Gorilla <laughs> Biscuits for that matter, like, yeah. hardcore punk, anything like that. And, like, trying a biscuit and just loving it. It's just fucking crazy. Like, most of our customers aren't even vegan. Yeah. And that's just, like, something we never anticipated. Like, a good biscuit's a good biscuit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was saying on my last, uh, the last time I talked about it on the podcast was like, even if you're going to go have bacon and eggs back at your hotel, if you're visiting Nashville, just go get 
the gorilla biscuit. <laughs> we have people post on Instagram and tag us all the time. Like, look at this bacon and egg. That's a good example. Like, here's a bunch of bacon and eggs on my plate, but there's a gorilla biscuit right there. And yeah. It's like, you know, that shit matters. Like, it adds up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not what we're going to eat, but you, yeah, like Ali said, like, you made that conscious decision to, you know, have that on your plate, and we're mm-hmm. so grateful for that. Like, it means a lot to us. You don't understand, like, just spreading that that gospel, if you will. Like, uh, <laughs> that good news. Yeah. <laughs> Gorilla like, biscuits. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's cool. Like, I'd say that's probably my, my beyond like people having no idea what hardcore punk is and coming in and like learning about it. Mm-hmm. I'd say the most rewarding thing is just like exposing people to veganism and them having a positive reaction to it. Like, and you're presenting it positively as well. Like I, I remember already being committed to being vegetarian and just some people starting that conversation, it didn't go great. Yeah. You know, back in the day for me. Yep. And I was already committed, you know, and it's like, I'm just trying to figure out who my people are with this thing. And um, the way that you guys are handling it, like I, I love how welcoming and open you guys are about it. And, and, kind of relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's the root of veganism. Like it's uh, just a overall like political, moral, whatever you will stands on just not having a superiority complex. It's just like being equal with everything from mm-hmm. animals to people. So I'm not going to judge anyone for whatever's on their plate, whatever has to be on their plate, whatever they choose to eat. Cause at the end of the day, I, not above anybody and that's the root of veganism yeah and just like another like piece of hardcore punk like a lot of it is aligned with this mentality of pma Mm. pma if you don't know is positive mental attitude Mm -hmm. um and it goes a long way um it's it's not one of those blanket statements that's like you need to be positive. It's not like a mm-hmm. cure for depression. That's moronic. It's just there are actions you can take in your everyday life that can align to that. those three letters um, that can help a lot. And that's a huge thing I learned in hardcore growing up, which is arguably one of the most violent forms of art. Like, yeah. You, I've broken my nose twice in a, <laughs> at a hardcore show. And yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people and that's okay. Um, but it, it's, it's a really good thing to learn and to come from all of this. Like, um, it's helped me a lot. So. Well, whoever worked on your nose has done a wonderful <laughs> job. I didn't. No, I literally like, <laughs> I once went to a show back in Bowling Green, Ohio. And then did not realize I broke my nose and like went to like lunch the next day with my family. And my mom was like, your nose is broken. And I was like, what? And she like grabbed it. It's like, like pointing it back into place. And I was like, oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Like had a black eye. Didn't even know. Mm, like, yep. But I don't know. It's just like if you haven't been in that environment, it's hard to understand with veganism like if you don't get it you don't get it but once you get it you really fucking get it yeah it just makes sense yeah it's another it's another way it's another option yep 
And you guys are doing a, a great job of providing that option to people. And I love the posts. I love even the personal stuff that you guys put out there on your personal Instagrams. Like it's, it's good. Like there is a reason I wanted you guys on here and like, you know, whatever I'm gushing now. Um, but yeah, like keep it up. I know it's hard. I know it's, it's, it's hard work, but it's good work Yep, and it will pay off. And that's what keeps us going. So yeah, we, we definitely feel like, uh, an obligation, not only being crowdfunded to give back. Yeah. It's a huge, huge privilege. Mm -hmm. Like, um, just, we, we want to want to impact the community and we want to bring a lot of this shit to light to folks. Like, you know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere and had no idea about a lot of this stuff. And like, look, you know, it, here is where I am, you know, like something down the line, like probably bands like Gorilla Biscuits <laughs> helped me figure this shit out. And it's like, we could be that for someone. And, you know, it's, it's really important to us. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. We really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for having us in your home. Absolutely. Of course. I can't wait to go to Aldi tomorrow to get some cedar oak wood candles. <laughs> $3.99. Smell <laughs> great. And we've come full circle. <laughs>